people are like, hey, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a life coach. And I let it hang there because I'm just so clear and confident in what that means to me. Usually people are like, oh, like, what is that? And I'm like, well, and usually depending on the questions that I'm asking them, the answer is a little bit different because to be truthful, everybody that I work with has completely different goals and that's okay. Welcome to Sincerely Future You, a podcast that helps ambitious women like you make decisions today with the future you in mind. I love having conversations with women who are pursuing big lives. That's really the only filter that I use for any of the guests that I bring on. But a big life and a big business, I know that that means something different to everyone even though I think we can all agree that it's internationally accepted that Olympians are in that big life category, am I right? They're in pursuit of world-class excellence. And that's why I wanted to bring you this chat with Olympian Christy Wagner. We talk candidly about all of my favorite things, self-confidence versus confidence, failure, negative emotion, why we choose to go towards negative emotion, pursuing a big future, and then also managing other people's thoughts and feelings about us and what we're doing to pursue it. In this episode, you're going to learn how to tackle those big, scary goals without breaking a sweat. Or actually, in Christy's case, she sweats a lot, so I don't know about that, but The two of us keep it real with a laid back and honest conversation. This is not traditional interview style. We both wanted to use this and share it with our audience because we think that life coaches and Olympians, we are on the same page about what the purpose of humanity is. It's about evolving. It's about showing yourself what's freaking possible, right? So If you are into this honest conversation style, you're going to love this episode. It's all positive vibes, especially when we're facing fear of failure. Get comfy while you learn how to get uncomfy and listen up to today's episode. But before we dive in, I have to shout out my client, Jimena. Jimena is a one-on-one client of mine, and we're coming to the end of our six months together. And so today was our second to last session as I'm recording this, and it was an actual tearjerker. The two of us teared up and cried a handful of times just talking about her transformation over the last six months. When she came to me, she wanted to shake shit up for lack of a better term. She wanted a life that felt bigger. She didn't necessarily want to upend anything in her life. She had a lot going for her, a career that was pretty, you know, with a prestigious organization. She had, she has a family. She has a lot of the parts of her life that she wanted. And yet, She was feeling kind of apathetic and she wanted the emotions internally to align with the circumstances of her life. And so we got to work. One-on-one coaching is not just about making more money and having more time. It's for people who want to make history with their life, who want to level up in such a holistic way way, look at every area of their life and take radical responsibility for their emotional experience. She said today, I've been reflecting a lot on the last year and it's crazy how different I feel. 
happier, calmer, in control of my career and my relationships, a more present parent. She said even her brother-in-law noticed, who doesn't typically notice things like this, he said, Jimena, you look really great. And not just like weight loss, like there's something actually different about you. And she said it was kind of shocking to her to hear this. And it like jolted her out of her reality to notice that her normal today was not her normal six months ago. And in the beginning of this journey, it can feel like only you can see the difference. And eventually, the changes that you make in your brain change your literal reality. So I'm just so proud of her for for pursuing all areas of her life, not, not just the ones that on paper we see are like, yeah, like we should have the house and we should have the, you know, all of those things. But uh, pursuing her health and her relationships and her career in what I define to be a big way. So congrats. I, I love watching you get going. And I know that you've caught the bug now. So it's only the beginning. All right, y'all, it's time to get hype. I don't know why only on the podcast I say y'all. In my real life, I'm a New Yorker. I say like you guys, but I'm like, hype sesh, y'all. Like, I don't know where I'm from, but I'm hype, okay? Do you guys know what an upper limit is? If you're a listener of this podcast, you might have stumbled across the book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. It is a book that elaborates on this psychology concept. Yeah, I'm not talking about the upper limit in math, which is about sequences or some shit. I don't care about that. No, in psychology, it's the idea that we literally have a tolerance cap for how much happiness we allow ourselves. Kind of like a thermostat. And this is the case not just for our happiness, but for our finances too, for our relationships, for how much love we are willing to receive, right? There are so many cliches about this one concept of an upper limit where we have normalized what we feel comfortable receiving. So this philosophy, it backs up the idea that often what we're seeking subconsciously in life is not actually happiness, it's comfort. And for me, this is a big problem because comfort is the enemy of our big life. In fact, discomfort is the currency of our dreams. So if you are unaware of this concept, you're welcome. Psychology concepts just constantly blowing my mind left and right. But the upper limit is something to take note of because it's time to kind of categorize in your life what are the what are the facets of your big life? Is it money, parenting, health, relationships? You know, what what are those categories? Are the subsets of your big life? And what is your current limit? Right now, what is the current amount of money that feels safe and acceptable and you wouldn't bat an eye in your bank account. And maybe there's a range for these things. What is the amount of arguing that you would find normal without making it mean that you should see a therapist or something? What is the normal number of times that you elevate your heart rate in a workout a week or a month or a year? And is that the the same in your future? The answer should be no right? In our big life, the only constant is change. 
And when we're able to get on board with that concept, we can understand that our upper limit is not fixed. It's fixed until we get conscious and then we can shift it and then we can elevate it and move it and question it and ask better questions. Okay, you guys, be aware of what your upper limit is today. And I know that as you're listening to this episode with Christy, who is pursuing big things, she is thinking about her upper limit in terms of her time. Oh, what time do I feel like is normal for me, is good for me? And then once I get there, all right, on to the next. All of that to say that we don't just on to the next without reflecting. Christy and I talk about that as well. Your upper limit is just one part of pursuing a big life. Other parts are reflecting, celebrating, resting, being present. You have upper limits there too. Take a look at a microscope out and let's freaking go. Enjoy this episode. I'm Jess, life and business coach. What I share in common with you is that I am always in pursuit of excellence in something, right? It's just like, that is the thing that makes it all worth it, right? When you have a specific goal, by when? I feel like I have just done one thing for a really long time. Mm. And and people seem to find it impressive because it like has a flashy title. But it's so funny because really the essence of the podcast, right, is that it's an unglamorous way towards a glamorous sort of goal, you know? Right, totally. But it's so funny when I like talk to someone like you, I'm like, no, what you're, that's amazing. I wish that I could constantly have goals and be doing all this cool stuff, but instead I just have one goal. (laughs) I'm super excited to be having conversation with you and I have listened to a few of your episodes. How did you get into being a life coach? I think that the it's so funny. I was talking to my mom about this the other day because on my show, I'm about to record a podcast of like this raw conversation with my family talking about what it was like for them when I told them like, listen, I'm going all in on being a life coach. And they were like, this is made up. What is a life coach? And it's it's funny because even I had a similar reaction to it. I think the industry of life coaching is still fairly new and it's such an umbrella term for a lot of different types of ways to work with someone. And for me, what my experience was, how I kind of fell into it was that I was a fitness coach and I was also writing a book on happiness experiments. And I had a blog that was putting out these happiness experiments. And at the same time, I was motivating people to hit their goals in their health and fitness. And I think people were a little bit confused. They were like, what do you charge for your life coaching? I'm so motivated by your social media. And I was like, what is a life coach? I also didn't really know what it was. And so finally, I think it was about the third or fourth person that asked me that. I just Googled it. I was like, what is a life coach? What is a life coach charge? And I was like, cool. Yes. What I talked to the girl obviously about her goals and and what it was that she was looking for. And I was like, that's absolutely what I do. I just am not getting paid for it. And turns out 
I said, okay, cool. She's like, send me your contract. I'm like looking to switch from a therapist to a life coach. And I was like, okay, great. Wrote up a contract in 24 hours. The next day, talking to a different friend, being like, hey, yeah. She's like, catching up. What are you up to? I was like, I, I'm actually life coaching now. And she was like, that's amazing. That's so funny. I was thinking about switching from a therapist to a life coach. Can you send me your contract? And I was like, I can. And I sent her over my contract and that girl booked. And the first girl that prompted me to officially decide to be a life coach didn't end up signing on. And it just goes to show you, you need to treat your business like a business before it's a business. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, and now it's been what that was 2015, I believe. So I think eight years ago, since then, I have worked with different niches. And now I'm coaching women entrepreneurs, and I have gotten certified. And I've just worked with hundreds of people and kind of figured out a way to help people reverse engineer their goals. If someone... Ex- is exciting. And they're like, I have this cool goal. Like I want to be an Olympian. I'd be like, yes, sign me up. I want to be a part of this girl's journey. And that has been cool. And it's, it's led me to meet some really incredibly inspiring women that are just doing things that you don't see your average everyday person doing. That's really cool. If I'm being honest, I didn't super know what a life coach was. And I think that it's one of those things that we should have workshopped the name. Totally. Like just as a, as a like As an cover. industry, right? I'm like, yes. hey, yes. in the beginning, I used to have a lot of like thoughts and caveats about it. And that would leak into my marketing. And it was very confusing, right? Like I was confused. So I would explain a lot and I would come across confused. Now I just love it. I'm like, People are like, hey, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a life coach. And I let it hang there because I'm just so clear and confident in what that means to me. Usually people are like, oh, like, what is that? And I'm like, well, and usually depending on the questions that I'm asking them, the answer is a little bit different because to be truthful, it's not, it's everybody that I work with has completely different goals. And that's, okay, we can focus on relationships and on, you know, your positive self-talk and on your relationship with money. Or we can talk about your relationship with time and goal setting or reverse engineering it. And now that I'm working with like just my essential offer as a life coach is, hey, I want to work with ambitious, smart, badass women who want to live a big life and do things that they don't see out there in the world. And those people find me and we just take take a journey together. So I, I'm allowing it to be vague now. Once you really get confidence, you understand that this, this works. There is more science to it than just someone giving you advice. I actually don't give my clients that much advice. Really, I just show them their own thoughts and how they're getting in the way of achieving their own goals. I just am so impressed with like your confidence and you're like, yeah, I just have a lot of confidence in what I do. And so I can talk about it really confidently, which is amazing. But like, how do you feel like you got there? Because I feel like it's one thing to, I don't know, people tell me all the time that I'm confident and I'm like, that's funny. I don't think I am that confident, 
but it's funny that you're telling me that I'm calm. Do you know I what I do mean? I know like, what you mean, right? Like the perception. I, I think that we might be even talking about two different things. There's self-confidence and then there's confidence. So confidence is a skill that you develop from practice, right? It's probably the thing that you have. Like you're like, okay, I have confidence in my skill and my ability of the field that you're in, right? In the Olympics, you're like, I know because I put in the reps. I just keep doing it time after time. And I have proven to myself that I can be successful. And your brain has evidence and has a proven track record of your own growth, of what's possible for you. And then you can take that, compound it, and see how you could be successful in the future. Like, Uh, action and uh, more practice begets confidence. Now, self-confidence is, I think, what you're referring to right now, which is this belief in a future and a possibility with zero evidence that it's possible. It's just like... Uh Yes, that's what I'm talking about. It's like (laughs) if you were to say like, oh, I have the speaking opportunity Friday. Do you want to do it? And I'd be like... Yeah, let's go. Because my self-confident thoughts in my brain are deep identity thoughts of like, I'm a person who can figure things out. I am someone who has value to offer the world. It's like this belief that like, oh, when I speak, it's going to be great. It's a decision that we make about the future with no evidence. It's kind of like, who who gave you the right Nobody, you have to decide to be self-confident. It's a decision. And I think for my clients, right, we talk about one of the main skills that helps people have success in the future is becoming an advanced decision maker, where you're just making decisions about your future instead of looking for evidence to decide if you can or cannot do something. I mean, I feel like that's probably much easier said than done but Uh, it's yeah it's also something you got to practice right but I think what's cool is that if you've done it in like you have I'm sure done it in some area of your life already can you think of an example in your own life where you really had no reason to believe you could do something but you just went after it anyway um yes going to an ivy league school oh I love that is a great example but I also think that, I don't know, I feel like then there's also a line between like confidence and like cockiness. And I think that in, and this could also be like a sort of sport specific thing, but I think that sometimes you see people that get too confident to what I would call cocky, which also is probably not a great word to be using, but like, no, I think like, it's, I think we know what you're talking about, right? Like, <laughs> And yeah, and then you stop working hard. Like, I think that the thing about confidence and sort of believing in a reality that has yet to come Mm -hmm. is also understanding that just thinking, oh, it'd be great if this happens, isn't going to make it happen. Totally. Like, and I think that just finding that line is like sort of what the important thing is. Yeah, being able to think, I can achieve something that I've yet to achieve and I have the confidence in myself to go after that goal is great as long as you then back it up with, you know, the work that it's going to take. Like my, I have a super judgy pet peeve, but people will like sort of 
what's a really PC way to say this, not at the level yet, mm. elite rowers will like write on their Instagram bio, Olympic hopeful. And I'm like, yes, you are an Olympic hopeful, mm -hmm. but you're like doing this for clickbait, you know, yeah. like you're saying something and you're using this term of like Olympic, whatever, to... I don't know, quote unquote, impress people, maybe? Or I think like, this I'm is not really such sure. an interesting conversation. I mean, I do think that there <laughs> is a clear delineation between self-confident and arrogant. And I think one of the main arrogant. One of the main yeah, cocky, arrogant. Same thing though. And one of the one of the main delineations I make is that arrogance and cockiness a little bit has to do with your belief that you are better than other people versus self-confidence really just has nothing to do with anyone else but yourself. And it's like, oh, I'm the best and we're all capable of being the best. It's it's this general pursuit of excellence against yourself. And of course, right, in, especially in terms of something like the Olympics, like there is a team, you're either going to make it or you're not. So there is obviously that line of comparing yourself and, and, but it's not really comparing yourself to others, right? It's comparing your time to the time that's needed for you and using mm -hmm. the language to help yourself stay in your lane is so key when you get to those like high, high levels, because otherwise it's really easy to put yourself down. So the Olympic hopeful thing, it's like, I'd be like, oh, it's so interesting to me because there's in life coaching, like I said, it's unregulated. So people could say whatever they want about themselves. People could be like, oh, I'm certified X, Y, Z. And there are certifications in life coaching that cost like $50. And literally you take like a 10 question quiz and you're, you can be like, stamp, I'm certified. And the certification program that I went through was a year long and it was $18,000. It was like college. I mean, I had to go through tests. I failed. I had to have real clients and real feedback. And that's not even necessary. I actually had lots of clients before that. But the point is, is that like I see other people out there saying they're a life coach. And because I'm just really not concerned about their, like how they're describing themselves, I'm like, mm, the results will show at the end. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, like focusing so much on what other people are doing is obviously not I'd be like, like helpful. Yes. Everyone put Olympic hopeful. If you want to be a hopeful, even if you never make it, I just think it's so cool to like, like you said, like have that, put the eye on the prize, have a prize. But at the end of the day, there's so many people that are telling me too, like, I want to be a million dollar earner. And I look at the work that some people are putting in and I'm like, I just don't believe you. That's the thing. I think that it's really interesting because people say like, this is my goal or this is what I want to do or, you know, whatever. And it's funny because I think for me, it was really hard to say, I want to go to the Olympics. Why? Like, I think because I just didn't see myself there. To me, it was this thing that other people could accomplish, but I wasn't at that level. And so you were afraid if you said it, then what? Then I would fail. And then what? I don't know. It wasn't so much that I couldn't say it. I just couldn't like see it. 
you know how you're saying like you construct, like literally the first time I met with my sports psych, I go in his office and he's like, all right, let's close our eyes. I'm like, oh no, I'm, <laughs> this is bad for me. Um, no, I actually, um, no, actually I like love him and I, I had to call with him today, but, um, and this was many years ago. So we close our eyes and he's like, okay, I want you to envision yourself at the Olympics on the podium. Like they're playing the national anthem and you just won a gold medal. And I start laughing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't, I could envision, mm -hmm. I could see the scene and I could see other people there, but I can't envision, I couldn't at the time envision me being there in that way. And now you can. Now I can, but I also understand the work that it's going to take to get there. I don't just think, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. That that sounds fun, whatever. I'm like, no, I 100% understand the commitment, the work, the lifestyle, mm -hmm. the everything that it's going to take to achieve that yeah. goal. And I think for me, it's interesting because my coach a month or two ago was like, you know what's weird in life? We spend a lot of time constructing in our minds like worst case scenarios. Like we imagine bad scenarios. And then as soon as we sort of daydream and imagine good scenarios, we try to like stop ourselves yeah. from thinking that. He's like, but why can't we daydream good scenarios? Like that, yeah, and that was we should allow kind ourselves. Of what I was why I kept asking you and why and what then? And you didn't ask, answer the last one because usually the answer to that last question of like, and then if you fail, then what? The answer to that question is why we don't, nothing. is why we don't daydream about the positive. It's because of something that if we say it out loud, it'll actually probably sound stupid, but in our head, it feels really real, which is either some version of, if I say it out loud and then I fail, everyone will see me as a failure versus if I don't say it out loud and I'm failing, only I will see me as a failure and that won't be as bad. No, I mean, I think 100%. I think that it's scary, especially like now and as an athlete. When I fail, it's very evident. It's posted on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Like if I have a bad day at work, everyone knows. It's not like just my boss knew that I messed up and, and I could go and have a quick bathroom right, cry right. and nobody knows. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Everyone knows. Yes. And there's articles about it and people that I don't know talk about totally. it and can judge and not saying that they are, maybe they're not, I don't know, but like. But they can. And yes. And. Other people can tell me either that they think I did a good job or that they think, like, I've chosen a path that puts my work, quote unquote, and like my success or my achievement on just a platter for anyone to pick up and talk yeah, about. up for discussion. And so, up for discussion. And so, like, we, whatever, we have a big race in the fall, the head of the Charles, like, I, I went to college in Boston, so I know I know all about yeah. that race. Yeah, the head of the Charles. I mean, I didn't do horribly, but I did not do well. Plenty of people are like, yes, you did. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't need you to tell me. I know. I know that I didn't do a good job. I didn't just say that I didn't do a good job because I wanted you to make me feel better. I don't need to feel better. I'm fine. But 
it's also not my job to make you feel better. You know what I mean? Like I think this is this is so important and I think it's going to be even more important as you get closer to the Olympics because we need to go all the way to the place where we are like what is my relationship with other people thinking and feeling and talking about me? And it I feel like what most people who've never worked with a life coach think about this is like, oh, my options are to just like completely ignore it and like put up my defenses and whatever, just like blinder, la la la, la la la, I can't hear you. Or I need to like toxic positivity it and be like, I know it's okay. I'll do better next time, blah, blah, blah. Or I can be a bitch. Like those are my three options, right? And there is a fourth option. And that option to me So I used to be a singer. So I know a little bit about what you're talking about. Like I would do either a competition. I was an acapella singer, but I was in, do you know that show, The Sing-Off or the group Pentatonics? Yes. Yes. The show that made Pentatonix famous is the called The Sing-Off. And that same year, my group was like in the running. They took 16 groups. We were in the top 20. We didn't end up making it on the show, right? But like the acapella community is pretty small. That's amazing. Like, I knew all the people, right? It, it was like there were articles, totally. There are articles you could YouTube my name and there's going to be like some sort of like horrible like video in the mix, right? And now as a business owner, I realized that I need to get my mind right if regularly I need to self-motivate because it's not just related to my self-esteem. It's related to my money, my clients' results, right? Because like, if my mind is not right, it's difficult for me to do my job, right? It's like related to everything. And the fourth option when other people, when you're you're up for discussion, if we're going to use that term, is to make room for people to be confused. And that is like the most neutral and healing way that I've found to approach it. It's like, hey, for example, I sent out an email this morning to my subscribers and I chose to share something that had a curse in it, right? Like the F-bomb, right? I I was like, do I change it to freaking? But I was like, it's just not as funny. I was like, this is who I am. Like, I'm irreverent. I think that it'll land better. It was like a tough love moment (laughs) and I posted it and I had more unsubscribers than I've ever had, right? And my brain immediately, like ours always do when there's any sort of negative circumstance on the outside, wants to go like, oh my God, you should have done it differently. Or like, this is just like so bad. What are they thinking? And like your brain gives you all the examples of what they might've been thinking before they clicked the unsubscribe button versus me deciding always in any situation to have my back and be like, there's going to be failures along the way. And also I am so okay with other people being confused about me. And I'm just wondering like if along your journey, if you have examples of a thought that you think other people are having about you when you have a day, like a time, like you had at the head of the Charles. Like, what is the thought that you think that people are having? I don't know if people are like judging as much as like, I mean, I think that I am one of my heart. I am probably my harshest critic. Yeah, we usually are. I think it's more that people don't have all the background info. Like, I agree with you. Totally. You like, 
Yeah, people don't have all the background info. And yeah, who cares what people are thinking? But it's more that it's not the no-name people that I really care about. It's more like my sort of friends or family or so whatever. So give me one example who, of a specific person and a specific thought. Because if you don't give me an example, this this is not gonna it's not gonna work. I won't land. I feel like Christine talked to me about the head of the Charles okay. and was like, "You did great," and I was like. No, I didn't, which is not like she did nothing wrong. She was very nice Mm -hmm. in what she said. And she probably did think I did great. But it's also like, okay, for me to be like, no, I didn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, both are okay. Like she didn't do anything wrong to her. I probably did do great. It's such an interesting example, right? So in this case, actually, for your pursuit of excellence, your thought is that people are going to be confused about the fact that I have done well when this is not the standard that I have for myself. And they don't know the background maybe of like what you've deemed to be good or not. And is that okay? Is that not a problem? Like for just recently, I had someone kind of make an offhand comment about like, oh, like, you know, about my life being really charmed which it is. It is really charmed, right? But they do not have the background story to know that I was once a single mom that had no money in my bank account. And now that's just not my reality. So they see my current reality. They don't know the background. But I no longer feel the need to help unconfuse everyone because I'm okay with making room for everyone to be confused because the eye is on the prize, right? Like the Olympics, they're there. I know along the way, I'm going to be too big to be able to have the conversation with everyone who's confused. And you're going to be at that point where there's going to be so many eyeballs on your times that some people are like, oh, this girl, like, and they're going to have thoughts and they're going to be so confused. And you get to be like, that's part of playing big. Yeah. Is making room for it. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think that it's like in any arena of life or whatever, you have no idea what somebody else's like, quote unquote, game plan is. Like, we all sort of lightly judge, I don't know, like others, right? Because we're obviously doing like what we think is best. And so, you know, whatever, if other people aren't doing that same thing, or like living their life that way. It's sort of, I'm doing this because I think this is best. Obviously, they're also obviously doing what they think is best. Right. It's like, for example, if you're ever having a conversation with someone who just isn't interested in a big life, it can be just so jarring. Like sometimes when I talk about in life coaching, like one of the principles that I teach is that you can't escape the emotional 50-50 that essentially the human experience, you will always experience 50% positive emotion and 50% negative emotion. So then people usually follow it up with, well, if that's true, then what's the point? Like, what's the point in trying to do better? Like trying to like achieve these goals. If you're saying when I get to my goal of making hundred K or like when you get to the goal of being an Olympian, like a medaled Olympian, you're not going to feel better. Like, what is the point? And what I say is that the 50-50 
while it is that ratio, the flavors of what's in the negative and what's in the positive are very different depending on if you're pursuing a big life or if you prefer like a comfy, cozy life. And to me, like a comfy, cozy life looks like you're choosing all of the positive emotions on the front end and reaping the negative emotions. So it's like you choose instant gratification, ease, comfort, you know, pleasure. And then on the back end, you are experiencing slow to no growth, maybe some regret, maybe some shame, you know, the results that are not high level, right? And then the flip side of pursuing a big life looks like you choosing the negative emotion actually first. So you're in training, you're choosing challenge and struggle and sacrifice and, you know, fear and judgment. Essentially, you're choosing like to put yourself in all of those so that you can reap the rewards of the positive emotions that are like pride and deep meaning and purpose and true joy and those types of positive emotions. To me, that's the coin that I'd choose any day, but there isn't a wrong answer. Like it's still all 50-50. It's just the human experience. Yeah. And I also think that like, I mean, it's so hard to explain to people that you feel like I try to equate it to whatever, turning 21. I'm like, you turn 21, you play it up in your brain like it's going to be this big day or 18 or whatever it is. Then it happens and you're like, I am still the same, (laughs) but now I can legally drink alcohol or, you know, whatever. I can vote. And I feel like it was the same thing. Obviously, a few things change, but overall, you're baseline the same person. Like if you have a really big goal and you accomplish it, I think I thought my life was going to change. And it just didn't. I thought when I hit multiple six figures that I was going to emotionally kind of feel like I made it. Life is easy. All the confidence always. My clients just love me and just like everything is easier and whatever. And problems are forever. The emotional 50-50 is still there, right? You get to that goal and then your thoughts are, okay, well, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are, right? But you're still going to have human thoughts that create the same thing of challenge and struggle and sacrifice and disappointment and fear and worry and all of those things still get there. So if that's going to be the case, it really gets back to that cliche of like, it is about the journey. And to me, the point is to evolve as a human. Like my show, my podcast is about becoming the future version of yourself. It's called Sincerely Future You. And it's like, who am I becoming? And in the process of that, you're just blowing your mind. You're like, wow, I just did something that I didn't think was possible. I just developed a habit that I never thought I could have. And that is the point. So even whether you get the goal or you you know, are on the podium or not, pursuing the big thing is the value. When I made it the Olympic team in 2021, I feel like a lot of people were like, oh, well, it was worth it. Mm. The training was worth it. It was all worth it. And in a lot of ways, yeah, they were right. Like I achieved a goal that I had set for myself, which is very exciting. But at the same time, like, I think it would have been worth it no matter what. Like I've learned a lot about myself. I've lived a life that not a lot of, like my 20s was 
insane in every aspect of the word. Like I've gotten to travel and do things and I've learned how to have no money and like I've worked unglamorous jobs. I, you know, I don't know. There's like a lot of things that I'm very grateful to have had to experience. And, but to bring it back, I think a lot of people are like, well, what if you don't achieve this goal or like, would it not be worth it? Well, the flip side is not even trying. That's worse. That's so much worse. And I think that's just, you're either a person that thinks that's worse or, and that I think is the like, either you're a comfort creature or you're a big, and it's so funny because I feel like I have described myself as like wanting a big life and people are like, what does that mean? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I but just you do know, know that I want it. You do it. know, right? I, like it, it changes and it morphs probably what yeah. it means. And like, totally. Like mine has over time at one point, having a big life to me meant living in Spain and Peru and speaking fluent Spanish and learning that and traveling and being a singer and just like not having a desk job. And then my big life meant becoming a mom and having another greater purpose outside of it. Then it became changing the community impact. But like, to me, anything that felt like I was pursuing something with no evidence to support that I could do it, that lights you the freak up, right? I mean, yeah. And, and I love what you said that the, what people will say is like, all right, well, the alternative to going all in and failing is actually choosing to fail in advance by not pursuing it at all. Yes, exactly. Either way, you don't have the thing. thing. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm like, and it's fine. Like, that's just a decision, which is totally fine, you know? But like... It's fine for them, but it's not fine for anyone that wants a big life. And I think that that is something we need to say out loud because the daydreaming when you ask, like, why why are people not wanting to daydream about the positive things? It's that exact thing because they're scared if they daydream and they think about it and they admit to themselves that they want it and then they don't get it, they're going to feel pain. And the truth is, they are because that is the 50-50 version. Also, that's the price you pay for experiencing the incredible emotion that it is to visualize yourself on the podium. Because I get to indulge in and people like, oh, like, how do you have this confidence to whatever? I'm like, I daydream all day about my future self and how awesome her life is and all the things, right? And then some of those things I have now, but I had to go through some pain to get them. And it's worth it. To me, I said, I'm willing to feel whatever it takes to have my dream life. But if you're not willing to feel negative emotion, it's going to be very difficult to get much more than you have right now. Yes. And I think that you just have to be aware in life that not every day, like I totally agree with the like 50-50 emotions thing. And actually there's this um, Olympic runner that wrote a book that was great. It was called Bravey about her journey to the Olympics. She had this rule of like, in training, you have like a rule of thirds is what she called it. So like a third of the time, things are like really good. A third of the time, they're like fine. And a third of the time, they're bad. And so as long as you're not teetering, like if it's really great all the time in training, you're probably not pushing yourself hard enough. Yes. 
if it's all mediocre and you're not having any highs or any lows, that's also like, are you fulfilled? You know, whatever. And if it's really crappy all the time, you need to look at what some you're doing. Yeah. You need some perspective. But I, and I think like as a, you know, as a team and as, as like an individual athlete, we've talked a lot about that. And it's been helpful because I think as you like ebb and flow through life and like my life is rowing right now, you have to be aware of when you're falling into a different category or if the the thirds are becoming imbalanced so that you can reset and be in equilibrium. Yeah. And that's to like expect the bad days, but not have a whole week of bad days. Realize that something's got to give and you need to maybe prioritize quote unquote real life <laughs> like a little bit more. Yeah. And, and so I think it's just being aware. Yeah. And I think that even the next level of being aware is then also like not making the negative emotion days mean anything about the goal right? Not making the positive emotion days necessarily mean anything about the goal, right? And I watch that with my clients who are business owners. The ones that I have to do some deep coaching with in the beginning are the ones that are like riding that emotional roller coaster, the entrepreneurial roller coaster in our case, where they're like, cool, I just made $10,000 this month. Like I'm having an awesome month. And they're like equating that result to they're having the results create their feelings instead of their belief in the inevitability of their goals create their feelings. Like that's actually what it is. And if you have strong belief in the goal, no matter what, then it really doesn't matter when you're having a high or a low, you're just like, oh, that's just part of it. You can get more neutral about it. And that's where you're going to have more success. When you can like live in that neutral zone, you're like, yeah, it's like when you see a really top, top athlete have a win or like make a sick play and they just like drop the ball and they're like, next. They are not being like, I'm the best because I just, you see that play. It's not about one play. Of course, I'm going to make great plays. I believe in myself. And then when they drop the ball and they have some horrible thing, they're like, get back up. That's what we do. We fail. We eat failure for, for breakfast onto the next, right? And when you have that deep belief in the further, further goal, then you just get to decide your emotional state and the ups and downs. Yes. While you can feel the disappointment, the disappointment isn't that bad and it doesn't last that long because you're not making it mean, well, obviously I'm never going to hit my goal. It's so funny. I was literally talking to one of my teammates today about this kind of, and Because another one of our teammates said something to me like, oh, you didn't even seem, you know, whatever, happy or excited about this workout or this race or whatever. And I'm like, first of all, I was. I was happy. I had a goal. I achieved it. Or I had a really good workout. Like, I was proud of myself. Then I was saying to Katie, my teammate today, like, what was I going to do? It was just a workout. And it was hard, so I was tired. What was I going to, like, get up and scream? Let her be confused, right? It's like... Okay, cool. Like, this is how I celebrate. On to the next, right? Like, I truly, if we're talking about, like, I don't know, who's your who's your role model athlete? Like, the person you think about in your head who's, like, you're, like, I want to be, like, her. Preferably a woman. Let's get a woman. I'm always, like, my brain is, like, Michael Jordan. But, like, I want to. We have so many men um, athletes, like, out there. 
that as the example. I mean, I obviously think Serena Williams is just Perfect. like Serena iconic. Icon. Love it. Serena Williams. So <laughs> do you think that if someone was like, Serena, you didn't even celebrate that win? Like how doesn't even give it the time of day. It's like, yeah, this is how yeah. I do. Next question. Yeah. Right. It's like letting just that calm and that like maturity of letting everybody's thoughts and opinions about how we celebrate or are disappointed be like background noise. But I will say that so like last year in 2022, I raced at the world championships. It did not go as well as I wanted it to go. And, you know, when the last race of your season doesn't go the way you want it to go, you're really sitting in that for a long time. It's tough. This year at the World Championships, like we finished on the podium, which is very exciting. But I and I feel like I was excited, but a lot of me was like, well, it could have been better. We were almost in second. We didn't have the best race. And like there are new goals ahead. Like we can't really sit in this, you know, what you're saying, like. It's just one goal along the way and we need to like move through. And then I sort of had to take myself back a step and be like, this was a big goal that I had for my, not even a goal of anybody else's. This was a goal I had for myself and I accomplished it. And I need to reflect on that and like let that soak into me. Otherwise, sort of what is the point of yes, all this? Like, that's such a good point. And I know, think that like an, another way to phrase it is like when you believe so deeply in that end goal, then everything along the way, you can use all of those circumstances to your advantage. So when you win, you can celebrate the hell out of it. And then when you lose, you can be like, it's not that big of a deal because you're like, this is all just a game and it's made up and the finish line is made up. I made up my goal and I, I can do a dance party for signing one client and I can also be like, ah, like I de- totally messed that up today. I'll do better next time. And you could just use it to your advantage, right? To celebrate. No, totally. Uh, I totally. I also, th- I also think all the time about this like whatever paragraph I read in a book once about basketball players, if they're missing a bunch of shots, like really successful players will think, okay, well, statistically, I'm going to start making them soon. Ooh, I love that. But then if they're making, if they're making all their shots, they're like, well, statistically, I'm going to keep making my shots. You just have to frame your life or what you're doing or whatever as no matter what, it's coming up bases for me. Like, and I do that with like wind in rowing. Mm. It's like a windy day. I'm like, ooh, this is prime conditions for me, you know? And I just think you have to like somehow cycle your brain to make things into maybe a good scenario for you, but just like a scenario where you're imagining a future that is totally. good. Like, like you said, saying. it's all rooted. I tied it all it's back all there. in the goal. And it's not like a good <laughs> thought or a bad thought. It's or a positive thought or a negative thought. It's a useful thought. Oh, I could talk to you forever, but I feel like we probably have I to know. wrap Damn, it up. We'll have to do another episode. <laughs> but this is so fun. I just think it's so cool that you're pursuing something so big. Like I always just think sometimes I have so many goals and I'm like, part of pursuing something big is that skill of constraint and saying no to so many other lives, like so many other versions of who we could be. And 
in another life, I'm like, damn, it would have been so cool to be an Olympian. But I'm celebrating your life and being like, she's being an Olympian for me. Yes. Go out there. You're doing it for all of us. So cool. Yeah. It's, thank you. I feel like it is a very cool and unique thing. But I think the other thing that's cool about it, and I've kind of realized over the past couple of years, is like there are people doing amazing things all around me and it's just not the same like visibility. And I think that one really cool thing about going to the Olympics was so many people like told me they were proud of me. And I've tried to like tell my friend and I am equally proud of my friends and family, you know, like you're amazing. And everything you said was amazing and cool. Are people stopping and telling you that? There's oh, no yeah. like people tell me I'm amazing life coach. <laughs> but do you know I'm what just I mean? kidding? I there's do. No, like, I know what you mean, right? Like there's no like life coach day where we all celebrate all the life coach. And there should be because we should celebrate other people's achievements more and like realize that we're all being inspired by each other. I don't know. It just really opened my eyes to like celebrating people, not just like when they get married or they have a baby or whatever. Those things are big life things and we should be celebrate them then. But we should also celebrate them for just being the like badass, awesome yes. people they are. Yes. For celebrate so. them during the other three years, right? Yeah. Amen. I love it. <laughs> Snaps all around. Yeah. Thank you cool. so much for having me. Thank this you. Is such, a, such a treat. I love talking to other women out there doing doing big things. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was so fun. I feel very inspired. Hell yeah. If you don't follow me over on social media, first of all, what are you doing? Get over there. Follow me at Jess McKinley Wayno. That's J-E-S-S-M-C-K-I-N-L-E-Y-U-Y-E-N-O. But on Instagram, I'm talking a lot about how we commit and invest in our future self a year in advance. I like to do that by putting my money where my mouth is. If I'm telling the world, if I'm telling you guys here on the show that my business is going to be in a certain place next year, that I am going to be at a different skill set, that I'm going to be, you know, selling out this type of offer or doing this at a high level, you better believe I'm going to back it with action. And one of my favorite ways to do that is invest in myself. And I recommend that my clients do the same. So for 2024, as is when you are leveling up to that future version of yourself, prices they be going up. And so if you have been thinking about joining any of the containers, but especially one-on-one, -on -one, now is the time to do it. Joining in December will lock in the 2023 pricing before it jumps quite a bit. One-on-one -on -one coaching can look very different from group coaching. It is an investment in a big life. It is an investment that only people that really want the things that not your average person wants invests in. What do I mean by this? I mean, my one-on-one -on -one clients don't come to me and they're like, okay, well, can you guarantee that this is going to return? And what it, what is, how many sessions do I get? No, it's not about the features. They come and they believe, okay, being in your presence, you're going to call out my shit. You're going to 
elevate me with your energy. You're going to ask me the questions that I know I need to be asked. We're going to set some goals and you're not going to let me hide from them. If you want a big life where you are impacting the world, whether it's your team, whether it's your family, whether it's your community, in a way that leaves a legacy, you're going to want to get one of these spots. There are two one-on-one spots left for 2023. Go and snag one. You can join by going to sincerelyfutureyou.com or the link in my bio on Instagram or in the show notes. Cannot wait to see you in the room. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I had so much fun having this conversation because I think that we put people that are pursuing big lives up on a pedestal. We think they're different from us. Like they were just born with some sort of talent, but really they have in their brain thoughts that are more useful to pursuing a big life, more useful to coming across obstacles and experiencing failure and negative emotion. They simply don't make it mean that they can't have what they want. And if you took anything away from this episode, I hope you took away that Christy is a normal human being with normal feelings, thoughts, and emotions, just like the rest of us. And that if she can do it, hell yeah, you can. Have a great week, my friends. Oh,